guys. What's up? Welcome back to Kindled. It's Haley. Well, my voice is a little off today because I have a little bit of a cold, so I am sorry for that, but I will try my best to get through this and make it pleasant to listen to. This is the final episode of Kindled for this season. And after this episode, I will be taking a break for June and July from publishing new episodes here, but I will continue to publish inside the Patreon app for our Patreon community. Um, I publish episodes there every Friday and they're called Firestarters. So if you want to join us and continue to hear from me over the summer, you can uh, join the community at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. It's 10 bucks a month. You will get an episode every Friday, a Zoom call once a month, and a chat platform to meet the other women in that group who are like-minded, want to pursue truth from a biblical worldview, understand what they believe and why, and be able to give a reason for the hope that they have. Um, it's just a growing community and it is one of my favorite things about everything I'm doing here because it's the place that I get to talk about whatever's on my heart that week. It's usually just me and the mic one-on-one and, um, I try and cover the topic in 30 minutes or less. So it is shorter and more to the point and easier for you to listen to. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's great. I love it so much and I'm glad that I'm going to be continuing to publish over the summer because I think if I didn't, um, it would be like, uh, it would be like putting a dam up with a river and the pressure would just build and build and build. And I would have so much to say in the fall. So the summer will help me to continue to, um, you know, processing all that's going on in the world and in culture, comparing that with the word of God and, um, just talking through that with you guys. So join us in there if you would like. And um, the other note that I have is uh, leave a review for Kindled. If you have not done so, leave a five-star review inside the podcast app and a few words about why you listen to Kindled or why you love it. And that just helps us so much. So I appreciate those reviews. I read every single one. Okay. So for today's episode, we are going to get into some questions and answers and some unpopular opinions that I received on Instagram um, when I put a little question box on there. And um, I've actually never done this before. So I'm really excited because I've, I listen to some podcasts that do this regularly, like Ali Stuckey and Daily Reformation has done this and done Q&A or Unpopular Opinion episodes. And I just think they're so interesting and fun. So I hope that you guys like this. Okay, here we go. So the first question is, what is your favorite book of the Bible? And man, I, that, that's like, I almost hate that question because it's just so hard to pick. But the one that comes to mind when I hear this question is Romans. Um, and I love Romans because it, it basically like covers the full crescendo of the gospel, like presenting our need for a savior, presenting the truth about our unrighteousness before a holy God who has wrath for sin, presenting the, the, uh, you know, revealing, the righteousness of God through the gospel, um, telling us about the saving righteousness of God and his righteousness in the death of Jesus and by faith for Jews and Gentiles and Abraham as the father of Jews and Gentiles. And then how we have hope as a result of our righteousness by faith and assurance of that hope. Um, and how it is God's saving promise to Israel and extended to, all others who are grafted in as, um, you know, children of God and just his, you know, exhortation to us of how to live in everyday life. So I feel like it kind of covers the full spectrum of, um, just the entire message. And I, I love it so much because 
it, I don't know. I just, I, I've always loved it. Um, and it, there's so, there's so much clarity in Romans about, uh, how we go on, how we live now that we've been saved, like in Romans six, where Paul writes, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Um, it, there's just like so many verses that I feel like without this book, I would have so much less clarity on how I am to live as a result of being saved by God and, um, you know, what life in the spirit looks like, what it means to not be in the flesh, but in the spirit and how God dwells in us in the spirit. Um, and man, I don't know, future glory. I mean, there's just like so much good stuff. I also love Romans nine, where it talks about God's sovereign choice and discusses predestination and election. And how can the potter say, why did you make me? Or how can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? Um, You know, all of these things that are even controversial. I just love the truth that is in this book. So there's my answer. I think Romans is my favorite. That might change at any given time. But right now, it's Romans. The next question, spanking your children, is it biblical? Um, uh, Short answer, yes. I, I do believe spanking is biblical. But there's some qualifications there. Um, I firmly believe that discipline needs to be done in love. Um, otherwise, it is not biblical discipline. Because um, Hebrews 12, 6 says, uh, The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And Hebrews twelve eleven says, no, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Um. I don't think that this is tough because I know there's a lot of personal history and um, some people are against spanking because they were spanked in an ungodly or an unbiblical way. They were spanked in anger or, you know, with or or with a belt or something. And, and that is um, that is real. So I know that a lot of people have very, um, you know, different varying experiences with this topic. And that's why it can be hard for us to navigate. But what I would say is on the face of it, yes, spanking can be biblical if it's done in love and it's done to correct error in your child. And if you are, you know, peaceful and calm and explain to them why you discipline them, that you love them, um, that you do not love them less because they are being disciplined. But in fact, that is proof that you love them because it would be easier not to. I mean, I, I, for one, hate spanking my children. I hate it. It's, it's literally one of my least favorite things to do. And so, um, you know, luckily I don't have to do it often. My husband is sometimes the one that does that. And I think that he is, is often better at kind of keeping the emotions more controlled than me. And he is just more level than I am. So I'm grateful to have his help in, in disciplining our children and, um, you know, I would say personally, we also don't, it's not like the first thing we do uh, with our girls. Now, depending on the age of your child, you know, and the situation, maybe it is the first thing you do like with younger children, but our girls are now six and a half and five. And so a lot of times what we have found with them is, is effective is actually removing a privilege and there's a consequence for their sin. And there's always going to be a consequence, whether that is, um, you know, being removed from the play if they are fighting or bickering or having the toy taken or, 
you know, losing screen time or losing dessert or whatever it might be. And spanking is usually something we reserve for repeated disobedience. Um, and it's just not something that has to be used very often in my home. But I do not think it's unbiblical to spank if you are doing it in love. And um, yeah, that's that would be my answer. Okay, so next question. Who was your favorite person to interview? And uh, this took me a second, but I gotta say Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, the men of Just Thinking podcast. They, I've interviewed them twice on my show and I love talking with those guys. They are just so full of wisdom and truth and boldness and um, they are not apologetic for the gospel. They are not apologetic for God's word or for his truth and what it says. And I think that is so, so hard to find. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people. I mean, literally hundreds of people. And I just, you know, you can tell someone's willingness and conviction to actually speak the truth, no matter the consequence they will face. And I would say of everyone I've interviewed, they have been the most resolute. And I would add to that list, Samuel Say of the Slow to Write um, blog, slowtowrite.com. Samuel Say and those two guys uh, Daryl and Virgil are just, they, they are not apologetic and, but they are gracious and they're loving and, um, they're not trying to offend anyone, but they are not afraid of offending people. And that is like, that is just so, um, encouraging to me because I too often say things that get me some hate. And so it really encourages me to see them standing firm And that is what the body of Christ should be doing for each other, you know, just um, encouraging one another and spurring each other on um, to be ambassadors for Christ in a, in a world that will hate us for it. So those are my answers for that. Um, Okay. Next, how to tell a friend they are following false teachings. Hmm. That's a tough one. (laughs) I could do an entire episode about this. So obviously these are like high level answers. Um, First off, I would say this is probably a conversation you're not going to have with, you know, your next door neighbor who you don't know if they're a Christian or not. The friend, if they're they're really a believer and you are actually friends, you have a friendship, you have a foundation, there's trust been built, there's relational equity. I would say the more relational equity there is, the easier that conversation is to have and to say, hey, you know, I, um, I wanted to ask you about some things I've noticed X, Y, and Z, or I know you've mentioned this before and I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Fill in the blank. Um, I would say start out by asking a question and allowing them to answer while also maybe getting an idea that you have an agenda or you have a thought that you want to express, but you're letting them speak first and you're curious about their opinion. You're not just coming at them to say, hey, the Enneagram is an occult tool or, hey, you shouldn't listen to certain worship music. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, people don't want to be talked down to or talked at. They want to be talked with. And so I would just encourage you to just be as gracious and generous with that discussion as, as you possibly can. Um, going into it thinking they're not going to agree with you because they likely won't if they are following these teachings and you bring up something and you gently rebuke or, um, you know, share something they may not know and share, uh, you know, 
a, a fact they didn't have about something and, and ask them their opinion or their thought or just to consider it, they're not probably going to instantly turn, you know, and turn from that thing and, and change their mind on the spot. But it can be a seed that you plant and you can pray and ask that God uses that to grow that seed in their heart um, and cause them to uh, repent eventually of whatever false teaching they're following or false teacher they're following. And um, yeah, that he would just pull the blinders off of them if they really are his. He will call them to himself. He will reveal um, truth to them. And um, I always think of the verse John 10, 27, where Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So there's this idea that like, he is the shepherd. We are not the shepherd. We may see that a sheep is in error or is wandering astray, but he as their shepherd knows them and they will follow him if they are really his. And so, um, yes, people can walk in disobedience or even just, um, deception for a while, for a time, but ultimately, um, you know, I do believe that God is faithful to draw us out of deception if we are his. And he has done that in my own life time and time again, um, with things that I have believed that have been false or false teachings that I have gotten swept up in, like the Enneagram and, um, you know, other things. And, and so I, I think that, um, we can, we can just have a lot of peace about that conversation. Like we can be bold and faithful to share the truth while not, staking our hope on them accepting our words in that exact minute, you know, and then being like, oh, thank you for sharing this with me. My mind has changed. So um, I do believe that we should be, you know, looking for opportunities that God may give us to share the truth with someone. Um, We don't want to just say, you know, in our minds, like if we're convicted to share something, oh, well, God's got it. I'll let him do the work. Like, well, no, he, he may be doing the work through your words. Like he may be, has revealed to you that your friend is involved in these things or believes certain things so that you have an opportunity to share the gospel. You have a chance to be involved in his work in their life and his, um, you know, his producing good fruit in them. And he may use your words to do that. I mean, you, you can be a vessel. You can be a vessel of truth. And I, I would just encourage you to be open to that. Stay open and soft to those opportunities and do not harden your heart towards them or just kind of wash your hands of it and say, well, that's hard, so I'm not going to do it. Like, just pray for an opportunity. Pray for grace. Pray for the words. Pray for softened hearts. And then let, let God do the rest. Like, don't worry about someone's full acceptance of what you say. You know, kind of um, preach the truth and... uh and do so in love. All right. So that, that concludes the questions that I'm going to answer. And for the rest of the time, I'm going to go through the, um, unpopular opinions that I received on Instagram. And I included a, a poll on each one so that you guys could weigh in with, with whether you agreed or disagreed with the unpopular opinion. So I will share, the um, opinion itself, my take on it, and what you guys said. Um, and obviously, you know, this is my podcast. So this is my take. It's not, <laughs> these are, these are opinions. Um, some of them are lighthearted in nature, like saying kale is gross and fake plants are dumb, while others are much more serious. And so, you know, obviously just keep in mind, there's a range of opinions expressed here and many of them are, um, are serious in nature. Some are very lighthearted. So, uh, you obviously don't have to agree with me, but I will be expressing 
you know, my view and um, not just my view, but what I would argue to be a biblical worldview and um, try and represent that well. Okay, so the first one, this is a funny one to start off with. The first one is Severus Snape is the worst. And I know what the I know what they're talking about. I know this is about Harry Potter, but I'm probably going to disappoint a lot of you. I have never read Harry Potter. Yes, yes, yes. I know the books are amazing. You would love them. Maybe I would. But, you know, I missed the boat. I did see a couple of the movies, but I didn't love the movies. And there are way too many other books that I want to read. I will not be making time for Harry Potter. So I'm sorry to disappoint you. I just don't have an opinion on this one, so I don't really know what to say. Um, You guys said 29% of you agreed, 71% disagreed with the statement Severus Snape is the worst. Okay, so there's that. Moving on. (laughs) That was like the least exciting one. Moving on, Kale is gross. Um, 42% of you agreed, 58% disagreed. So what I shared on Instagram was that I can see why you would say this. If you try to eat kale raw and uncooked or unmassaged, let me clarify. You, you know, to eat, to eat kale, you have to massage the leaves. May sound weird, but you have to. You take the leaves off the stalk, like pull them down one side and then the other side, pull them off the center stalk of the kale leaf and, um put them into a bowl and massage them or cut them first and drizzle some olive oil or lemon juice or both on them and massage the leaves. It breaks down the fibers. It totally changes the taste. It makes them way better. Um, You can also cook them obviously in a pan or boil them or not, not boil, um, bake them. I think I meant to say broil, but if you can bake them at a high temperature and actually make kale chips, which are also very good. Um, And of course, If you are doing like a salad, one of my favorite ways to eat kale, and I'm not like a huge kale fanatic, but I I don't hate it and I do like it sometimes. Um, The best salad use, in my opinion, is like olive oil, lemon juice, Parmesan cheese, a little bit of salt, and that is like the best. That's like, it's almost like a kale Caesar salad, sort of. Okay, so fake plants are dumb. 36% of you agreed, 64% of you disagreed. And I would say for me, um, I, um, I prefer real plants. I really do. But there's a few places in my home that I have fake plants because I know that I just don't want to put in the time or the attention to keeping a real plant in that spot. And Like an example would be, you know, in my bedroom, like I don't want a plant right near my bed because I know that they can have gnats and I don't want to deal with that in my bedroom. I do have one in my bathroom that's real, but it's a little bit separated. So I feel better about that. Um, Also, like my front porch, um, I just I kind of like I have a lot of plants out in the front of my yard and there's a lot to water and I have a ton in the back. So on the porch felt like let's just put something there that is not going to die in the summer heat of Kansas because it it can be tough. So there's my take on fake plants. I think they're fine, but I do prefer real usually. Um, Okay. God is less nuanced than people say. Um, 87% of you agreed. 
13% disagreed. And I'm sure everyone who disagreed probably had all kinds of things they were thinking about, which would make them say, no, God is nuanced. <clears throat> However, I guess I read this to mean, you know, so much about who God is. We often try to insert uncertainty and confusion or questions where God put a period. And I think sometimes people do that because they're uncomfortable with the truth that God has said in his word and things that he has made very clear. Um, you know, certain passages, passages of scripture appear very obvious on the first read and even in context. And yet they are um, called into question by people who want to introduce, you know, extra biblical ideas or ideologies that are, um, that wouldn't work with those passages of scripture. And so people, they read scripture often in light of their own view. They read their view into the text versus reading scripture, um, and interpreting it by itself and then letting that inform their view. So in that sense, I do think that, um, I think that God is less nuanced than some people would like, but in, on the flip side, uh, I also believe that our minds are so finite that we can't fully comprehend, um, exactly all of who God is and his character and exactly, I mean, we have, we, we do have the word that tells us what his character is like, but in terms of fully conceptualizing just how great and majestic and glorious he is, I think that it's impossible to understand that. So in that sense, like there's so much that, uh, if you want to call that nuance, I don't think that's what I would call nuance. I would call that just outside the scope of our capacity to understand. So yeah, that's how I would answer that. I would say in general, I do agree. There is less nuance than, um, a lot of people say. Okay, next is Enneagram is horoscopes for Christians. And um, 81% of you agreed, 19% of you disagreed. Uh, there were 720 who said they agreed and 166 who disagreed. Um, I I agree 100% with this and uh, you won't be surprised if you listen to my podcast for any amount of time. I've done several episodes on this and it's it's something that I have really changed my mind on in the last couple of years because um, if you've been a longtime listener, you know that my former church introduced me to the Enneagram and I learned it at church. And so I was very trusting and, and very much believed that it was a beneficial tool that could uh, help me to understand myself better and uh, and understand others and, and all of that, you know, all the things that, that Christian Enneagram proponents say. And so I, I took it as such and I, I used it. I learned about it. But what happened with me is that I'm a voracious learner. Like when I want to learn about something, I, I listen to as many podcasts and books and sermons and, you know, follow as many people and look at resources. And I just, I want to learn about that thing, um, voraciously. So I end up, going really deep on any given topic. Uh, and the Enneagram was one that I, I wanted to learn about. I was, I was very surprised by how accurate it seemed to describe me, although I scored really high, like above 95 on a test in three different numbers. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm just a 381. I'm just high on all these things. And, and 
looking back, I'm like, isn't that evidence that it's that it's not accurate because you're high in all these different categories, whereas you're supposed to these numbers are supposed to be used as a spiritual tool to help you, you know, basically understand yourself better and to get freedom and healing and, uh, you know, from childhood wounds and all of that. And uh, anyways, the reason I'm sharing this is because I went so deep that I ended up getting introduced and finding myself listening to podcasts where I would see that, you know, uh, Father Richard Rohr was a guest. And I listened to that episode and I had no issue with listening to it because it was on the podcast of a guy that I trusted who was an Enneagram expert. Um, It was the Typology podcast with Ian Cron. And I found myself listening to every episode so desperately seeking, you know, knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And it just reminds me that whole season of my life reminds me of um, Romans 1, 19 uh, through 21. For what can be known about God, sorry, I lost my place, is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And it goes on to say, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And I really believe that I um, thought myself very wise, but ultimately became a fool when I was in that season pursuing wisdom of the Enneagram tradition, as Ian Cron would say. And I will tell you, I did not grow spiritually during the time that I was pursuing the Enneagram. I, I feel like it was actually very much a roadblock to spiritual growth because I was pursuing knowledge of self, understanding of self, understanding of relationships in re- in relation to myself and in light of myself and that my threeness and my eightness and my oneness and I was so consumed with just thinking on and dwelling on and rolling around in my mind all of the characteristics that I had and all of the things about me and all of the ways that I believe God made me which I still believe he did make me in a lot of these ways. Um, although I would not label them any of the Enneagram numbers necessarily. I would say that, of course, I have a personality, of course. But very much the Enneagram was just a fruitless pursuit of knowledge of self. It did not cause me to dwell on God and his character and his love for me. And the fact that I am not called to be a better three or a better eight or a better one. I am called to be like Christ. I am called as Um, someone who has been called by God to be conformed into the image of his son. And so it kind of doesn't matter where I start out. I am to seek to be made more like Christ. That is the goal. And so if we have this common goal of Christ, God is going to, of course, going to need to do work in, in our hearts that is different. The work that he has to do in my heart is different than the work he has to do in my husband's heart to conform us more to the image of Christ. But it is still him doing the work and we still have to be obedient. And and if we have this common goal, this pursuit, this this end and this race that we are running to be conformed into the image of Christ, to glorify God with our lives, I don't believe we need to spend a bunch of time um, 
learning and uh, just becoming obsessed with, and not everyone does this. I will say not everyone who does the Enneagram or, or studies it or, or whatever necessarily becomes as obsessed as I was, but there is that propensity there. There is that risk. And there is the fact that it is, it is not just a neutral tool. It is a, um, it is a spiritual tool. And as we know, anything that is spiritual cannot be neutral. You are either for or against God. And I, I think that it's very clear. It's very clear because of the origins and because of the fact that it is a spiritual tool with these origins, that it is an occult new age device that needs to be avoided by Christians. And I think that I would agree. Of course, I do agree. It is um, very much used as a horoscope for Christians. I, I see no difference between that and a horoscope, to be honest. Um, Marsha Montenegro, I've had episodes with her, two of them now, and she says there functionally is no different, no difference between the Enneagram and the horoscope because um, anyone who reads their horoscope also very much ident- identifies as their, uh, you know, their sign. Like, oh, I'm so, tu- that's so Taurus of me. Oh, that uh, that's such a Virgo thing to do. And I, my, you know, whatever. I don't even know the language. I don't know how they say it. My sign is rising this or that, you know, and, and they're, they're using it to kind of view their life through that lens. And I think that I, I know I did the exact same thing with the Enneagram. Oh, that's so me. I would do that. I'm such a three, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter if it's a horoscope or the Enneagram. We are not to view, um, ourselves through the lens of ourselves. We are to view ourselves through, uh, because the lens of ourselves is distorted, right? If we're sinful, if we're fallen, if we are, um, hopeless without Christ, and if we are um, dead in our sins, you know, before Christ, obviously as a Christian, you're you're no longer dead but alive in Christ. But if if humanity without Christ is is dead and not alive, why would you want to view yourself through the lens of a human lens of through the description of the Enneagram who says you're an eight or a one or a five or a seven? I mean, you're yes, you're a person with a personality and with gifts and with strengths and weaknesses, but focus your uh, heart and mind on the things of God, like the things of um, what scripture talks about, which spends very little time talking about. I mean, there is no invitation. I mean, not just very little, but no time talking about the, you know, uh, based on your personality, you need to do this or do that. It does say that God gifts us with different gifts, but ultimately the fruit of the spirit does not discriminate. We are to all be exhibiting all of the fruit of the spirit and and God will do that work in us and produce that fruit. But we have to abide in Christ and in the vine. And it doesn't say abide in yourself. Like a branch doesn't abide in itself. It abides in the vine that it's connected to. And so when I think about what the Enneagram did for me is it caused me to um, really just focus on myself. And I'm glad I got out when I did and, and realized that, but totally agree with this. Okay. Coffee is gross. That is sad. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, 14% of you agreed. 86% disagreed. So yeah, almost everybody disagreed with that. I love coffee so much. Um, summer is the worst. Um, I can't agree with that either because I love, I do love summer, but I do, I do identify with the, the, you know, the feeling of like summer just gets to be very long and about August, or maybe even late July, I'm like, okay, I need some structure. I need some cool temperatures. I'm sweating to death. I'm always hot. I'm sticking to my car seats. You know, I know it, it does get to be long, especially if you're in the Midwest, like I am. 
Um, so maybe depending on where this person lives, I, you know, could see that. Uh, 27% of you agreed, 73% disagreed. Right now, I am excited for summer because it means lots of time with my kids, going to the pool, going to the lake. I'm, I'm pumped. Um, okay, don't understand why people love the office or friends. Well, I, I agree with half of this. I don't understand why people love friends. I don't love that show. Um, but I love The Office. Like, The Office is timeless and it's a classic. It's that show that you can just have on and not need to totally pay attention to because it's just that good. It's so good and it's so funny. Um, so yeah, can't say I agree with that, but, uh, 35% of you agreed and 65% disagreed because I'm guessing that 65% liked either The Office or Friends. Okay, next one is Canada's niceness is overrated. We are all trying to be nice and slowly losing our rights. 98% of you agreed with this. 2% disagreed, which I thought was like surprisingly a huge level of agreement with that. Um, and I, I would agree, except for I, I can't say I really have a strong grasp on the Canadian temperament, but I did receive quite a few um, messages from people saying that actually Canadians are not all that nice. And they were like, I don't know who, where these people live, but the Canadians I know are not nice or where I live, people are not nice. Cause I do have a lot of people in Canada who follow me because they love my <laughs> views on, um, you know, lockdowns and all this COVID craziness. And so I would say my perception, I've been to Canada. I did go skiing in Whistler, but I just don't really remember the people that well because it was in high school. Um, but it does appear that, yes, in general, uh, it seems as though the people in Canada are, are, it's maybe not niceness that is causing them to lose their rights. It's the fact that it is um, maybe more of a mentality of, uh, of their freedoms being precious to them. Maybe more of them are willing to give ground, give ground, say, oh, okay, they're just doing it for our best interest. They're just, they're just protecting us. The government has our safety in mind and, and more people are perhaps are more trusting of the government. I don't know. Um, I know that, I mean, Canada is just much more progressive politically already than, than the U S is. And the people who I do know who live there, um, including Samuel say, who has been on my podcast said that the conservative party in Canada is basically like the democratic party here in the U S. So if that tells you anything about where their politics are. So anyways, um, next one, leggings are not pants. <laughs> this is funny. This is an old, an age old debate, isn't it? 52% of you agreed. 48% disagreed. I disagree. Okay. Because leggings are my uniform. Leggings is what I wear like almost every day. And when it's summer, I wear athletic shorts. Um, just because as a mom, you guys know, you are, you got to be ready to run a marathon at any point, you know, because that's kind of what your day feels like. And you're running around, you're, you're being active with your kids, you're getting down on the ground, like you're playing, you're getting sweaty, getting dirty, going to the park, or even just like doing laundry. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's me. I, I think leggings are fine to wear as pants. I think like you have to be aware of the appropriateness of the leggings. Like there are certain ones that you do need to wear a shirt that's covering your butt for sure. Um, and, but, you know, depending on like the activities, like I don't always do that. And I, I think it's, I think it's fine if you're in a context where that's fine. Like if you're going to the park, like, come on, who cares? But, um, yeah, that's my, that's my personal take. 
Um, I'm so over farmhouse decor. This was an interesting and funny one to me. I, I agree. I agree with you. 51% of you agreed and 49 disagreed. So we're pretty split there down the middle. I do kind of agree. I, there's some farmhouse stuff I love, like timeless, like white shiplap. I love. I, I don't think I'll ever get sick of that. And I better not because my entire master bath is covered in shiplap. But I I am I am very tired of that as well. And that seems like, you know, that's like what Hobby Lobby has had for so long. Like that's all they've carried. And it seems like they're starting to kind of get a little bo- bit more modern and get outside of that. Um, and Target is too. But yeah, just like the Chip and Joanna vibe. I don't know. It's beautiful, but I also, sometimes I just want some variety. I want, I, I like the more modern, eclectic, like clean, simple look. My, my taste has changed a lot with, you know, age. And five years ago, I was very much into vintage inspired, loved that. That was very trendy even 10 years ago. Um, but now I'm just, I'm kind of over it. I want cleaner lines, more modern, more eclectic, little, a little bit funky, um, a little boho, but not true like farmhouse vintage. But it's, you know, it's fine. If you love that, then go for it. Um, okay. CrossFit is a cult that encourages injuries through its exercises. 65% of you agreed. 35% of you disagreed. Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one because I've done CrossFit. I actually used to do it for probably about a year. I, I did like one of those um, class passes and where you can like try out a bunch of different local gyms for just like a monthly rate. I don't even know if they still exist. I think they went out of business, but not sure if they are or not. But I did try several different CrossFit gyms and I liked it, but it just didn't end up being like a, the, the thing that I really felt compelled to want to do long term. And I will say, I think that the danger exists there that that it does um, create a context or a culture where injuries are m- much more likely because there is just this, there's a vibe of like do or die and dying's not allowed. Like you will, you know, like the Murph workout, I don't even know what it has in it, but people do it every year, the same day of the year, everywhere across, you know, the world, everyone who is in CrossFit does the same workout. And is it July 4th? I can't remember. But, um, and like people often puke and that's a common thing. It's just like, you're just, it's almost like, it seems like it's a little bit of a badge of honor. And I don't like that culture. Like I'm not, I don't know. I'm, especially as I get older, I'm like, I want to do something that is very challenging. I love intensity. I love hit workouts. I love being yelled at even. I love being encouraged. Um, in a positive way and like in, in that intensity, but I don't love the idea of just like beat your body down to a pulp and possibly injure yourself and do, and, and do something incorrectly either, which I know I'm not saying that CrossFit encourages you to do it incorrectly, but I think just the intensity of the culture, maybe the people around you and maybe like depending on the studio that it could, it could happen. And I, I will say like, it probably does depend a lot on the gym and the, the trainers there because, one place I went, the guy was terrible and I hated it and the other one was better. So it is what it is. You know, if you love it, that's great. And just be careful. Don't hurt yourself. Bacon is gross. Starbucks is trash. Beyonce is overrated. And OJ is the worst. <laughs> I'm assuming they mean orange juice and not uh, OJ Simpson. 
Um, this is a, this is a lot of opinions, but 45% of you agreed, which is surprisingly high because that's a lot of very popular things right there. 55% disagreed. Um, as far as I go, I love bacon, so disagree there. Um, I, I don't think Starbucks is trash. I go to Starbucks like very frequently because there's a drive through and it's close to my house. I love, I do love supporting local, but you never know what you're going to get with local coffee shops. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's very terrible. Um, and a lot of times they don't have a drive through which makes it even harder. And I'm not going to get all three kids out. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't hate Starbucks. Um, Beyonce is overrated. One million percent degree. I can't stand Beyonce. Like I know hate is a strong word, but I kind of hate Beyonce. Um, OJ, orange juice. No, I like orange juice. So <laughs> I don't know. This is a funny one, but no problem with orange juice. It does give me heartburn. So can't, I don't really just drink it, but I like it. Um, evolution is evil and being taught in kindergarten. Um, whew, man, you guys have some big opinions. So, uh, 92% agreed, 8% disagreed. I, I agree. So Mac, you know, we could get into a huge conversation, macro versus micro uh, evolution. I, I do not agree with Mac or yeah, macro evolution, the big bang theory, um, that concept that, you know, that's how we got here. Obviously that's not biblical. Um, but micro evolution, small changes over time, you know, adapt, a species or different species and life forms adapting. I do believe that that is fine to believe in. And I think we see that, you know, in nature and I think there's lots of evidence for that. So no issue with that. Um, but yeah, I don't agree with macroevolution and the big bang theory and the idea that we evolved from apes and that all of creation, just you look out your window and it just magically appeared over time. It, that just, it doesn't make sense. Like, how in the world, like when you, when you start to see just how intricately everything works together and how, you know, the, um, the food chain is designed with predators and their prey and, you know, each, each species being necessary for some other to survive. And the fact that where the earth is placed in the universe, if it was, you know, as much as an inch further or closer to, um, further away from or closer to the sun, like we would burn up or freeze. Like it's just, it's all too perfect. It's all too intentional to really believe that it just happened. And it just kind of, we found ourselves here on this planet where we exist and live and breathe and have seasons. And yeah, no, I think that's garbage. Don't believe in it. And yeah, it's really unfortunate that it's being taught in schools but it is, you know, what do you expect from a government school? That is, um, the goal is indoctrination, not education. So of course they're not going to be teaching from a biblical worldview. So if your kids are in public school, make sure that they know what is true and make sure they know that they do not have to believe everything that their teachers say and that the word of God is an authority that is above every human being. And God says that, um, he made the, the earth and that he's the creator and he's the designer and he's the architect of everything they see. And, uh, that mankind is without excuse because uh, his handiwork and his creation through it, he can be clearly seen. And that is Romans one twenty. 
uh for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse so there's that one okay next olives are gross <laughs> um i i like olives so i, I don't agree but 39 percent of you agreed and 61 percent disagreed fish and birds shouldn't be kept as pets I am with you on that, honestly. I, I am with you. I don't know. I birds are disgusting. <laughs> they make such a big mess. And um fish are useless. And I think they're gross. I don't like looking at fish while I'm eating. Like if a restaurant has a fish tank, I'm like, who's gonna order salmon while you're watching its like cousin swim around? You know? Oh, I can't I can't do it. So and I've had fish. We've we have owned fish because I'm not a pet person. I don't want a pet. Uh, my five-year-old right now is begging, begging for a guinea pig. And I'm like, why God? <laughs> why? I don't want a rodent in my house. They smell so bad. But I also don't want a dog and it's not happening. Like, no way. I, my kids are all under seven. There's no way I'm getting a dog. Don't love dogs. Don't want a cat. Don't love cats. So maybe we have to get a guinea pig. But I do not want a fish or a bird because fishes can't love you and you can't love fishes. Okay, that's not true. I'm sure people love their fish, but I just don't. There's no emotional connection. You know, we had we had a fish named Marlin for several years, and then my daughter, who's five, when she was three and a half, picked up his glass tank and dropped it, and Marlin died on our wood floor. So, goodbye, Marlin. Um, <laughs> cheesecake is gross. Um, how dare you? First of all, how dare you? I disagree. Cheesecake is delicious, but... I don't love, like, the very, very rich, crazy concoctions that Cheesecake Factory has, like, the very layered, some of the very, like, double chocolate fudge brownie ice cream, this and that flavor. I know it's too much. It's too much. I like simple cherry cheesecake. I like strawberry cheesecake. Probably even, like, you know, white ras or uh, lemon, lemon raspberry white chocolate. Sure, I like that. But I just can't do too much, so... 10% of you agreed and 90% of you disagreed. So you guys love your cheesecake. Uh, I hate shiplap, someone said. This is along the lines of that farmhouse decor. And 20% of you agreed, 80% disagreed. So we've got a lot of people who love shiplap. Uh, Target is overrated. 39% agreed, 61% disagreed. I would say I disagree. I love Target. Um, I hate their politics. They are super progressive and liberal, and I hate that they make, you know, pride such a big focus for them every year. They do it every year. But it's happening because June is Pride Month, and it's obnoxious. And uh, I wish that it wasn't so convenient and that I didn't love their products so much. But you know what? There's freedom to shop at Target, and uh, I'm not I'm not convicted on that issue That is uh, that it's a sin to shop at Target. So I will keep shopping there. But if you don't want to, that's fine. You do not have to do that. Kids don't need their own bedrooms. 54% agreed, 46% disagreed. I disagree at this stage of my life. I love that my kids have their own bedrooms. But, like, especially for the younger ones. Now, my five and six-year-old, they they like sleeping together in the same room. One of them has bunk beds and I could totally see that they will, they could want to share a room someday. And if they do, I'll totally let them. But I love like when babies nap at the age of napping, I love having their own room because 
then you don't have a sibling like unexpectedly kind of barging in and waking them up. Um, I just love them to have their own space. My kids also just have a lot of clothes and some stuff and I like them to kind of have their own place to go. But I don't think it's like an imperative and we just happen to have enough rooms in this house. If we didn't, my older two would share and it would be fine. They would love it. Okay, next up is live music is overrated. Um, you know, I I actually agree with this. I, I know a lot of you are probably like hating me right now, but or you're like, what? you don't like concerts. Well, not that much. Um, 30% of you guys agreed and 70% of you disagreed. So you love your live music, which is fine. I, I like uh, some concerts. There's been a few that I've really enjoyed, but mostly. So yeah, I mean, for me, they, they're overrated. It's just not how I would, it's not my first choice of spending time. Like, what would I want to do? You know, go to a concert? No, not really. Um, I find them to be generally dirty, <laughs> crowded, loud, sweaty, um, expensive. I don't know. Well, I sound like a wet blanket, but they're just, yeah. Okay, I agree with that. Um, what's next? All vaccines are poison. Oh, well. Here we go. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think I categorically can agree. I mean, I don't know, maybe technically you're putting like a foreign substance into your body. Um, but you know, I do think that there have been diseases that, um, were at one point deadly that are no longer deadly. And that is in part, thanks to herd immunity from people who got it and beat it. And in part due to vaccines. Um, I, I am not, you know, anti-vax, although I, I do understand why some people are. I am just very much pro-informed consent that you need to know exactly what you're getting into and what the risks are when you take any vaccine. So I don't think I'd categorically blanket statement say I agree with all vaccines are poison, poison, although, um, I, I understand the perspective of, of feeling this way. And, uh, and I think if that's how you feel that you should not do them. I, I will say I never had, um, never really had a second thought about them until this year, this past year. And you guys know why. So as far as this poll goes, we had 51% of you agreeing with this and 49% disagreeing. So it was literally split down the middle. Gosh, another one. Biden is an illegitimate president. Um, yeah, this is this is also a gigantic can of worms. You know, I I will say I have my doubts about whether he was um, elected fair and square or not. But it's nothing that I can prove with evidence. So that's all I'll say. I have my doubts, um, but I wouldn't say it's impossible that he was. It's just, yeah. There is some, there is some question there and that is, it's a little bit like, well, uh, there's still, here we are almost six months into his presidency and we've still got an, an audit going on in Maricopa County in Arizona. So, I mean, it wouldn't, it shouldn't be shocking to anyone that people have concerns and questions about how the election was conducted and um, how the actual ballots were handled, how mail-ins were handled. I mean, we just had a crazy year with COVID. 
We had um, an unprecedented number of mail-in ballots. We had all kinds of issues with, um, you know, servers being online that were not supposed to be online. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but uh, yeah, I think it's fair to have questions. And obviously, that's why we have investigations going on. And um, I'm glad those investigations are happening. And I hope that they get to the bottom of whatever happened in those places. Now, interestingly, 87% of the people who filled out this poll agree he is illegitimate. 13% disagree. So, uh, yeah, I guess you can number me in that 87% because I am I am a skeptic. Okay, um, next. Newborn phase is a billion times easier than toddler. These are hard. I, 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 yes, I think I do agree in general because the newborn phase is just so short-lived, whereas toddlerhood goes on for months and months and months. Like, newborn is a month or two in those, you know, very early weeks where they're waking up a lot and their tummies are small so they can't get very full and stay very full long and all that. So I, I would say I agree. Um, but I do remember, I mean, I'm, I'm only 18 months out from having a newborn and I remember being like, I'm never doing this again. Like during those season, during those weeks, I was, I remember being very convicted that this was crazy and why would I ever choose this, choose to do this again? And then of course, you know, you get far enough away from it and you're like, what? I want another baby. Although I do, I do not feel that way right now. So, um, I'm good. I'm good on that. <laughs> Next one. It is not selfless. If you expect something in return, um, I, oh, you know what? I forgot to share the percentages. Okay. Hold on. The vaccines question. This was definitely split 50, 50, 51 to 49%, 51 agreed, 49 disagreed. So that was pretty even. All right. Next one is it is not selfless. If you expect something in return. 89% of you agreed and 11% disagreed. I would say, yeah, I I think that's true. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect something in return because there is such a thing as like kindness and niceness and just being considerate. I, you know, I think you can do a selfless act, um, and still be hurt and it's reasonable for you to be hurt if someone like literally never thanks you or whatever, um, I don't think that means that it, you didn't do it to be selfless. It just might be like, man, I, I, uh, I, I, I thought that I was going to get to see maybe the gratitude in that person. And, um, but I, I think what you do with that feeling determines whether or not it was selfless. Now, if you allow it to cause you to be bitter, then yes, it wasn't selfless. But if you say, look, like I, I can do that in light, even in spite of the fact that I don't get thanked or that they don't seem grateful or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, only two genders. This was the only one that had a hundred percent agreement. I think there was like, it was just statistically a hundred percent because there were a few people that said no. I'm guessing those few people have not been following long and likely unfollowed quickly after they saw the results of the poll. But I am glad to see you guys agree. There are only two genders. That is true. Gender is not fluid. It is binary, male and female. That is in the book, the Bible. God created the male and female. Uh, 
there is there is no fluidity in gender. Of course, there is. Um, and, and some of you even said that you didn't think we should, as Christians, use the word gender. We should only use sex because sex is the biological reality, whereas gender is a word that has been introduced to turn this conversation into something that is non physical, non-substantial, like uh, it's just in your head. It's it's how you feel about what you are. And and um, and that's where we get the idea of like gender fluidity. So I can see that. But at the same time, it's like, well, if there's really only two, then it doesn't matter what you call the thing to identify which one of those you are. You know, there's two genders, there's two sexes, there's two. Um, what's another word? I don't know. Uh, what, whatever, like there's only two, whatever they are, there's only two of them. So I guess I don't really care whether you say gender or sex, because the reality is there are only two. Um, don't date in high school. It's not worth it. This is one that, um, I should have given more clarity on Instagram because so many of you married your high school boyfriends. Oh my goodness. I got so many messages from you, like married 10 years, married 20 years, married 25 years. And, uh, and I, I agree with the statement, don't date in high school, it's not worth it, because for most people, it's not. I'm really glad that some people end up with their high school boyfriend if that's who they're meant to marry. But I I think in general, it's not worth it. Why? Because your brain is just not all the way developed yet. And you don't make the best choices. Um, You act out of emotion, out of physical drive. You... um, are just not totally developed. And I mean, even physiologically, mentally in your brain, like the chemistry is not, it's just very off from what it will be in a few years. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think if at all possible, it's best to remain friends. And, um, you know, if, if that interest is still there in a few years when you're a bit older, I think it's great. I mean, don't ask me what I'm going to tell my kids because I don't know yet how I'm going to handle that. I think it will largely depend on um, the type of kid they are. I, I will really want to encourage them not to. But I also am like, I, I realize that the, the challenges for parents of children in high school, they are becoming young adults. And so they are outgrowing in some way, um, you know, your capacity to completely control them and you are sort of letting some rope out you're letting uh more and more rope as they build your trust and as they get older which you have to do because they will be leaving the house in a few years and so that's tough and i i don't i don't envy any parents in that spot so i think it's it's certainly possible to have an upstanding dating relationship. That's just not what I experienced. And so because of my experience, it's like, it's hard for me to imagine thinking that I would want my kid to do that, you know, just cause I know how damaging it was to me and how much I wish I could get those years back and not have been dating during them, you know? So I think we all struggle not to um, see our kids as just reliving our experience cause they're not. And, and so yeah. Thankfully, I have about 10 years before I have to worry about that. So maybe in 10 years, I will have a better answer. Um, But I did, I hear it from so many of you that you were married uh, to your high school sweetheart. And that's awesome. Okay, the last question I'm going to tackle in this episode is one that 
is going to just knock your socks off. I hate peanut butter. <laughs> this was, this is funny. Um, I, I am shocked that someone hates peanut butter, but 9% of you agreed with them. Luckily, 91% of you see the light. You see the truth that peanut butter is amazing and is so good. And protein balls would n be nothing without peanut butter. Um, so yeah, no, I can't agree with that. That is certainly an unpopular opinion. So I think what was my favorite thing about doing this is that so many people were like, the thing that they think would be unpopular that matters, this audience on Instagram affirmed their unpopular opinion. We're like, no, we agree. There's only two genders. No, we agree. Um, you know, that, uh, Canada is slowly losing their rights. We agree that the Enneagram is a horoscope for Christians. And I don't know, it was, it was encouraging to see that, um, for the most part, people, people were on the same page on the issues that mattered and the ones that didn't were just all over the place. So, you know, that shows us we can agree to disagree on, things that don't matter, like whether or not peanut butter is good. So, and on that note, um, I lost my voice. I recorded all of last night's, all of today's episode last night. And today on Monday, my voice is gone. And if that is not a picture of, um, what happens when we don't take breaks, I don't know what is because, I desperately need a break. I need a break from the podcast. I need a break from social media. I just need to rest. And my voice clearly needs to rest too. But it's not about my voice or my physical exhaustion or my spiritual exhaustion or anything else. It is about, um, uh, for me, I think, knowing, knowing that my righteousness doesn't come from my work. It doesn't come from what I produce. It doesn't come from speaking the truth on a podcast or speaking speaking the truth with uh, grace boldly. I mean, that is what I do out of the overflow of my gratitude for what Christ has done for me. But what he did for me was enough. What he did on the cross was um, all that I ultimately needed. And so I can respond with um, hard work out of gratitude for that, um, for the gospel. But I can also respond with rest by pausing from my pursuits and my efforts and the labors that he has given me and that he has undoubtedly gifted me with um, a passion for and a, and a love of of doing. I, I love this podcast. I love, um, you know, being able to share my heart and how I'm growing and um, ways that you might be able to grow too. And, you know, all of us pursuing that um, ultimate end of growing in godliness and growing into the image of Christ. I mean, as believers, we all have one common goal, and that is to glorify God. And we can we can do that with rest. And it's time, it's a season now for me to rest. Maybe it's a season for you to rest too. I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's uh it's it's good. And it honors God when we cease from our striving and we recognize that um, we are limited. Our capacity is limited. Our capacity for, um, you know, running at a breakneck speed. We are we are human, and He gave us those limitations for a reason to point us to Him, to remind us that we are not God, and He is. And so we can rest and actually glorify Him through that by recognizing our um, 
limited capacity by recognizing our need to take a break from the from the run and I mean I'll certainly still be um glorifying him in my in my day-to-day life with within the four walls of my home and raising my kids and um local church ministry and all of that but um I am I am definitely ready for a break so anyways I better stop talking or my voice will probably hurt even more but I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been here this year thank you for listening thank you for supporting me um and this the work that I'm doing here Um, I do not take it lightly. I know there's a lot of things you could do with your time and I'm grateful for everyone who sends, um, encouraging messages and emails and just is, um, so edifying to me. So thank you to all of you who have done that this year. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a blessed summer with your family. Lord willing, I will be back this fall. Okay, guys have a great summer.